side of the dark lighter side of dark my name is solio and smith is the name is typically listed under solio on our website i still don't know how that happened but uh it's not even alphabetically correct is it smith should be on top based on alphabet right m and o i I should i've i've been on top a lot in my life but i've given my (laughs) wife opportunities to experiment So, uh, season one wrap up, huh? That's yes, nice. today is uh, is our final show of season one. Um, we we've talked about doing about forty five shows a year, meaning fifteen, fifteen, and fifteen. So three seasons a year, hey. Yeah, and this that gives us seven weeks off because Paul working an hour a week, sometimes an hour and eight to ten minutes. Yeah, that and can catch. Editing takes me another fifteen minutes, and adding links to web, you know, oh. I mean. Clicking really get a lot of uh, wear out in your your finger when you have to click on the mouse and stuff. It's it'll take it out of you. Yeah, because seven weeks vacation, we're we're really no different than you know Europeans. They get seven eight weeks paid vacation a year. Imagine that paid vacation, maternity leave. So speaking of vacations, uh, if it if it were not for the vid, the Rona, whatever the millennials are calling it now, um, if you and your lovely wife had a, a dream vacation right now. You publisher's clearing house, shut up at the front door, and and you answer the phone. Who is it? Which is not the phone. It's the door. I'm wiped out today. Um, so it says, well, you a publisher's clearing house. You've won $10,000 a week for the rest of your life. Now, don't get me wrong. Your wife would start thinking about killing you at that point so she'd get all the money. But after she let that go, where do you think the two of you would go on a dream vacation anywhere in the world? planet earth you can't go out and go to mars colony or some crap like that yeah where would you go well we were um planning on going to jamaica in november uh that's not going to happen now so we'll be maybe delaying that um if i didn't have any budgetary restrictions at all i would probably want to go to italy yeah i would like to just because you are of italian persuasion yes uh just from what I've seen, because I've only seen, just the, the, the view of the, the sea and the way it's so uh, neighborly and, you know, you just walk to the market and yeah. you look outside and there's churches and it just seems like a different world. And that's what I kind of want right now. Although Jamaica does sound pretty good. Well, I, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about the clear my throat thing, but I was too tired to hit the cough button. I've been to three different cities in Jamaica, uh, Montego Bay, um, Probably frequented by the most tourists. I would say it's probably the most Caucasian area yes. of the island. Um, a lot of fun there. I actually stayed at the same resort where they filmed where Stella got her groove back. Was it uh, Sandals? or? I think it was called Beaches at that Beaches, time. okay. And uh, it's funny because when the movie came on, I was watching it going, God, that looks familiar. Man, that poolside looks Man, that beach looks... Holy crap, I've been at that hotel. So, you know, I tried to call Angela Bassett, but she wouldn't answer. And and, and, Ty, and Tay Diggs or Ty Diggs, whatever his name is, still, you know, funny, you, you, you send somebody 400 emails, you're a stalker for some reason. I still don't understand that. So Angela Bassett's people just told me to lay off. 
And I've also been to Negril and Ocho Rios. Okay. Ocho Rios, um, if I had a chance to go back to any place in Jamaica, that would be where I'd go. Downs River Falls, not as touristy as, say, Montego Bay. But Negril, very adult. When I say adult, we stayed at a clothing optional resort. Huh. Walked out of the balcony, looked out, the sun was setting. It was this azure, purple, pink colored sunset. It was just absolutely picturesque. And you look down by the pool area, and you hear this kind of Latin calypso music emanating from the, the little shack slash bar <laughs> near the pool area. And a conga line is coming out of it. It's like 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night. And there's a conga line coming out of it with just naked people. Uh, a naked con. A lot of things swinging around. Yeah. And and you and I have both worked at, at nudist resorts over our career. And I will tell you that the people who live at the nudist resort are not the people that are on the brochure. That is true. Yes. They are very comfortable with their nudity. I don't know that we are. Yeah. But uh, they certainly are. Yeah. What, what's weird about working at a place like that and even being around nudists in general, I mean, it happened at this uh, resort we were staying at. It was called uh, Hedonism. I should mm-hmm. tell you everything you need there to know. Oh, the pleasure palace. <laughs> after the first 20 minutes, the shock value literally wears off. Yeah. And some guy, some guy will walk up, be talking to you, and a little man will be just swinging in the breeze. And you glance down, you make eye contact once, then you move on. Um, but, I, but remember when we were working at the nudist camp, that's where we heard the term bird's nest. We didn't really know what that meant. And then an elderly man walked by and a lady pointed down there. See? Looks like a little bird's nest, doesn't it? And I just lost it. I mean, I completely lost it. <laughs> um, but Ocho Rios, that would be where I would go back because they have Duns River Falls. Amazing, real, native Jamaican cuisine. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of jerk seasoning. But I can tell you, Got authentic it. jerk seasoning, not a fan of me. Tread lightly. I had one of those... Dumb and Dumber Jeff Daniels toilet moments after discovering true, real, yeah, man. and I don't mean to make that a visual thing. I want to give people a reference because oh, that kind of thing. I think everyone's had you know their their moments so they can relate. So, so you asked me where I would go on, with my lovely wife please, on our vacation. Please tell me the anywhere in the world. Australia. Oh, oh well, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about COVID. That's true. <laughs> the only people who caught COVID in Australia were Tom Hanks. Huh, yeah, That's pretty much it. Funny that. So, okay. all right. So, what, what about uh, what in Australia? What's, uh... Well, it's first of all, a lot of people don't realize how big a country it actually is. It's a continent, too. So, it's I guess that's a- yeah, big. It's actually almost the same square miles of the United States. I mean, if you go from the, the tip area uh-huh. up near the Great Barrier Reef all the way down near Tasmania, that's the same distance from Maine to Florida. And from the East Coast to the West Coast is at least four fifths the mm-hmm. size of the United States. So I've talked to some people who uh, are from Australia. They got the accent to prove it. And they said, "Don't you can't go to Australia for a week. You can't really go to Australia for two weeks. You need to go where you have a month. Hmm. Because if you want to go any place in the country, <clears throat> other than, say, Sydney, it takes you days to get there. I mean, driving, it would be like driving from, you know, New York to L.A. kind hmm. of thing, except... Everything, everything from New York to L.A. between those two cities is desert. Wow. But I wanted to go because they have opal mines where you can actually go down in the mine and harvest your own 
uh, opals. Opals are beautiful, beautiful Very stones. Much. A lot of fire and flash. Yeah, fire, opals, and stuff. I think they're the October birthstone because I, I sold jewelry for many years. That would be something I'd like to do. I'd like to actually go to an opal mine and get down there and mine my own opal and take it to a, a lapidary and have it done into a beautiful stone. Give it to my wife. Or yeah, something you could like make, make, make jewelry out of it, design your own with, with whatever you found. Right. That's a, that's a whole different world, literally. Be nice. Just yeah. something completely different. So when the COVID's over and the podcast takes off and we eclipse more than 200 listeners, you never can tell. I'm going to take that, take that petty cash, turn it into ticket across the world. Well, Paul, this, uh, this first <laughs> season of the LSD podcast, uh, I have to tell you from, from, from my end personally, it's, it's been an absolute blast. It has been a lot of fun. It's been very cathartic. Extremely cathartic. Everybody needs an outlet. Which you, you said it probably would be because as frustrated as we are with the way things are going in our country and and so on, might be a, a nice little bitch session. Yeah. Just kind of get it out. I think everybody has a lot of the same types of feelings. Some don't, but but it's it's good to, good to vent a little. So if we had to review season one, we've uh, we developed um, the real Don, fake Don uh, thing. That was a, a big highlight for me. Yeah. We've been focusing on that in the first segment, sort of real done, fake done, some topical political stuff. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you think between the two of us, what percentages did we ever get right? Because I only remember guessing one. Of I them. would say we may have gotten, I feel like I got maybe two out of eight or two out of ten or something like that. Yeah. I guess we could go back and count. Yeah. I feel like I got maybe twice. Yeah, I, I think I only guessed one of your real dots, fake dots, maybe one time. And then we had Bree do it once and Mark do it once. Yeah, and neither, I, neither of them got it. Yeah, it's hard. It's harder than, than you would think. It's, so we've learned that in, yeah. in our first season. And I, I think we should continue that on at least until the election uh, to see if it's to see if we're going to be doing it for another four years. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of scary. to. As to, fun as it is, I hope we don't. I hope we don't either because I don't like the idea that we don't know what's real and fake when, yeah. we, when we make up those quotes. That makes it scarier to me. Yeah. I did see an interesting bumper sticker the other day, and I, I was trying to – when you try to wave somebody down on the road and they don't know who you are, I've discovered it's not the 1970s. <laughs> People just have a tendency to roll their window up and drive faster. Yeah. So I saw a bumper sticker on the back of the car, and it says, vote for Biden, except it was spelled B-Y-E-D-O-N. Vote for Biden. Oh, nice. I love that. That was yeah. genius. That was like you just, just say, turning the Light Aside of Dark podcast into LSD. It was just genius. Just... Just a little something. Vote for Bidon. I'm so I'm going to go online and look for that and slap that bumper sticker on because that's how Americans tell people how they really feel. Bumper yeah. stickers. Well, that's how. Yeah, that is true. Big that, giant and big giant flags. Big giant flags, bumper stickers, and you see yeah. them hanging and, yeah. and stuck on everywhere. You're driving a Ford F250 with mudder tires on it. I don't think you're voting for Biden anyway. But that's true. See, yeah, I don't you, need to see the Trump flag. Can I guess that the the flag hanging is? There's a good chance it might uh, be Confederate. I see a Ford F250 around these parts. Yeah. Well, when it comes to uh, politics, we've covered a lot this year. We've covered uh, our uh, president's handling of the. Uh, COVID catastrophe. I think more of it as a not a crisis, really, just kind of a catastrophe. Yeah, we're we're approaching two hundred thousand people who have died as a result from or complications from COVID. Yet, you still have people out there who are saying, "No, the numbers are completely made up." Yet, 
you see the, the stories every night where families are there and you have a personal interest in this as well, the mm-hmm. uh, editorial that you did. Why are people still denying it? It's, it's almost like they're denying climate science and now, now they're denying the fact that a virus has killed almost a million people worldwide. The level of disinformation that has become so easy to weaponize is terrifying to me because those two topics, I think, are prime examples of what we're seeing where, you know, the anti-vax is another one where you're seeing a lot of conflicting information that, that is now the new normal to split people. And that's terrifying because these are huge issues. You get people to fight about huge issues, they forget about everything that's going on and it's working especially Facebook with its algorithms and how it kind of, and even Google does it. It keeps you in that bubble. Yeah, Whatever well, you search for, you herd, see more of. It's a herd mentality kind of thing. And it's, they t- get you it's in a dangerous. Herd. And, um, I mean, I, I, I think this is terrible that all this has surfaced in 2020. And it's, it, it surfaced at the worst possible time for Americans going yeah. through the first pandemic in, what, 100 years. But these, these types of prejudice and tribalisms have been going on since the dawn of time. Yeah. I heard someone say that, well, I'm really glad that they installed school uniforms at my kid's school because that way kids won't be able to poke, uh, bully and poke fun at the kids who, you know, who don't. I'm like, wait a second. You put a, bu- you put a bunch of kids all dressed in the same outfits and they go, oh, I can't make fun of what this kid wears. Oh, you've got red hair. You're a ginger. You have no soul. Yeah. Or, oh, uh, oh, oh, look at you. Look at the shoes you're wearing. You can't afford the good school shoes. People are going to find a way. Yeah, that's the stupidest. I've, I can't imagine not finding something else. That's physical appearance. You know, oh, you're fat. Oh, you, you're ugly. Oh, you have four eyes. Yeah, you're Italian. Yeah. You're, you're Jewish. It, right. You know, uh, so on. But Oprah had a special on, I believe this might have been the late 80s, is, is my guess. And as people were coming into the studio, they had people with clipboards out there. Oh, okay, you, um, you're going to be on the right side of the stage. You're going to be on the right side of the stage. Okay, you're going to be on the left side of the stage. What they did is they separated brown-eyed people from every other colored people that had eyes. So all the green-eyed people, blue-eyed people, mm-hmm. gray eyes, whatever, they all went on the left side of the stage. Brown eyes went to the right side. And they had experts on there that were talking about brown-eyed people are more intelligent statistically than people with eyes of other colors. Hmm. So, I mean, completely made up. Not okay. true, not based in any scientific fact. Okay. And they said also, uh, brown-eyed people um, are healthier. And they had these experts up on stage touting it. This is Dr. Uh, Ramsey's from the Political Institute of... Uh, Eye studies or whatever, some crap. <laughs> and so, they, and all of a sudden, the blue-eyed people started raising their hands. I'm, I'm not dumb just because I have blue eyes. Got these two crowds of people. You can look this episode up. Yelling and screaming at each other like a damn riot was about to break out. That's Interesting. when Oprah finally stepped between them and said, okay, stop. We've made all this up. We wanted to prove a point. So they literally got... Two groups of people who came to the Oprah show hoping it was going to be the you get a car, you get a car, you get a car right. episode and completely had them. They separated friends, one with brown eye. These friends that walked in together were yelling at each other. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the, the tribalism we're living in now, though, is horrible. It's I, I, I have, a, I have a, uh, an acquaintance. He's a mechanic. I've had a couple issues with my, my vehicle this week. He's a Chevy 
specialist. Okay. I've called him five times in the last week. Never answered one time. Then it dawned on me. He's a Trump supporter, and he's always making some snarky comment on Facebook whenever I put something on there that makes sense. Okay. So I literally do believe he doesn't even want to talk to me on the phone anymore because he thinks that I'm a left-wing democratic socialist. So there's another acquaintance slash friendship, I guess you could call it, lost as a result. Yeah. It's the, the, I think the social media has amplified the, the, this phenomenon, like you said, the herd mentality, this hive mind that's been going on. But now suddenly there's a platform and the bad people can amplify that and play it up. And when you, just like you said with Oprah, it's, that was by design. It was almost sounds like a social experiment. That's what's going on now on a grand scale. And it's working. And it's about terrifying. It's not about, oh, this brown-eyed guy is smarter than you. This is about, you know, they want to take over the country. These people are about this. And, you know, they're violent. And why? It's, it's terrifying to me. You know, it's, it's, it's sad that the human race can be manipulated as easily as we can. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with the Stanford prison experiment? Uh, no, but I'm interested in hearing about it. Watch the documentary. Okay. Uh, that's going to be your homework because we're going to take about a month off. That's going to be your homework. All right. You have to watch the Stanford prison experiment documentary. Uh, true story. Stanford decided to take a, a lower level of a building they had that had four rooms on either side that looked like cells. Okay. I think they had heavy doors on. I think they were storage at one time for important documents. So they took, uh, I believe it was eight students and made them guards. And eight students, I believe, were made prisoners. And they were going to be down there for two weeks. The prisoners had to be in there for two weeks. The guards had to be in there for two weeks. And it was supposed to be treated just like a prison. And they had to stop the experiment early because things had gotten so out of hand that the guards became so power hungry and started just absolutely treating these students, who weren't real criminals, as just the absolute worst. And you, and that there was supposed to be a controlled environment, an experiment that just got completely out of hand. And that's where the, the phrase, um, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I mean, that's that's terrifying to think that in that environment, where you are even given rules, I'm assuming, and okay, here's how it's gonna work. This is your role. This is what we expect of you. And and you're saying in less than two weeks, it yeah, was like- Yeah, they couldn't even complete the experiment. Wow. So imagine when it's not fake and we have all these private prisons for profit and and the guards and, and they're trained almost to sort of be combative and- Well, uh, and I, I, think they're, I think they're trained in a certain way to see the inmates in there as less than human. Sure. Dehumanizing helps. Uh, yes. For sure. If you can dehumanize someone, you can treat them any way you want at it, and there's no there's no compassion, no empathy, that you have no feeling about it. Yeah. But there's also a lot of guards at these institutions that are failed police officers or guys who couldn't make the cut. That's scary. To become a police it's officer. It's not like the standards are real high to become a police officer these days. <laughs> yeah, literally to become a guard in the Florida correctional system you have to have a high school diploma or a GED or its equivalent, equivalent. and only have committed misdemeanors. You can't have a felony. Okay. So, you know, string of misdemeanors, no big deal. Hey, dude, here's, theft, here's a taser, here's some pepper spray. Yeah. Go into a room and, and, and show your authority. Wow. That's, yeah. 
And prisons are, as you said, they are now. They have become, uh, over the years, for-profit. It used to, I did uh, some work on this many years ago in Florida, for example. It used to, co- used to cost 40000 a year per inmate. It cost the state of Florida to run their prisons. So judges were not as likely to put people in prison for a minor drug offense at probation or a minor theft offense probation or a minor, minor assault charge probation because it was costing the state 40000 a year. Then these private prison organizations come in and we'll, I'll, we'll lease the structure from the state for a dollar a year and we will now pay the state 16000 a year for all the inmates you can send us because they know they make their money on uh, the canteen or concessions area that the outside people have to send in money for. You want to buy a pair of shoes? $75 for a pair of shoes in the prison system. So it has become for profit and that's at least in my opinion horribly wrong oh yeah they've turned it into a business and the product are the prisoners yes and it's not about rehabilitation it's not about serving your time and getting out and being better for society it's about bringing in money and that's i guess that's the problem where that i don't know if you'd call it late stage capitalism where that's the only thing that matters is figuring out ways to privatize every single institution make money everyone else be damned it's kind of you know kind of where we're at look at well there's there's other aspects to the prison system that a lot of people are not aware of first of all these these men and women are put to work yeah slavery they are and they are not and they are not paid they are unpaid creative some of our listeners might be thinking no i heard that this 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 and they make money doing this 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 and this yeah there are outside telemarketing companies that hire rooms full of prisoners to make telemarketing calls and they pay them a dollar a day Better than India. That would normally cost nine or ten dollars an hour per person on the outside, but a dollar a day, a day. Now, what ends up happening with that though is they have to they have money taken out of their, I guess you could use the term bank account or account, every month for the use of their headsets. So it's become another in, uh, indentured servitude. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've got people working in in the prison system right now who are not being paid anything at all. And uh, let me ask you this. Let's say someone's in prison for 10 years. They've served their time. They're about to, um, what's called EOS, or end of sentence, they're about to be reintroduced back into society. How much money do you think they're given to start their life over? Oh, I'm sure they're not given anything. A $50 debit card. $50 debit card. That's good. That'll put a, de- a deposit on one of yeah. a stick of gum. <laughs> back in the 60s and 70s, um, most state prisoners, federal prisoners were paid 25 cents a day okay. into an account that if they were in for 10 years, so you figure every four days is is a dollar and there's 365 days. It turns out to be about $90 a year. Over 10 years would have been $900. They were given here. $900 now, you might be able to go out and rent an apartment. Mm-hmm. You might be able to go out and find a halfway house to live in, have some money to buy a, a suit or whatever, to uh, yeah. go out and get a job or something like that. So things have changed dramatically when it comes to that. But oh, yeah. um, I heard you know, Donald Trump has done so much for the prison system. Look what he did. He did criminal justice reform. I and love what, it when someone quotes that because I go, okay, what are the details? Yeah, please explain that to me. <laughs> what, what are the details? 
uh, supposedly it was to um, eliminate uh, minor drug offenses and minor offenses and people being incarcerated. That's an issue that I think everyone would like to address. Why don't we just legalize pot and get it over with? Yeah, they're, they're kind of working towards it. Right, and then release the people that are in prison that would, wouldn't have had to go to prison for the half an ounce or an ounce, depending on what city, county, or municipality they were in, and, and let's get them out. But if someone wants to do prison reform, I have a suggestion for them. Mandatory education. Yes. Instead of working these guys for four hours a day, Make them go to two hours of education per day and two hours worth of mental health. Absolutely. Rehabilitation and education. 100% agree. That's rehabilitation. Put them in a room with other people who they can see have had some of the same problems they have. And then put them in the room with someone who could give them alternatives. That's, that's good criminal justice reform. Um, we're teasing a little bit about, uh, about Donald because this has been a weird week for the Don. And that's saying something. Yeah, weekly, if not daily, someone is coming forth with information. The Atlantic article about him uh, talking about our, our servicemen and women as losers, mm-hmm. really, losers. And, and I, just, I sat there and I thought, The Atlantic is a reputable magazine. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't usually put anything in print that they know they can't prove. Right. So unnamed sources and stuff that, yeah, they kind of need to be named in my opinion in, in, in a case like this, but I think they're scared. They are definitely working and they'll all the, those not like, oh, we, were, we knew that we were going to take them down. You're going to hear all that. Like we, we knew all along bullshit, but I, I just don't buy it. Losers. And then we end up finding out that he's talking about the generals the Joint Chiefs of Staff who basically keep him from pushing the button yeah. at any given moment to start a thermonuclear war and, and how they're against him and so on. And he goes, oh, the soldiers love me. And I, I, I haven't met many of them. That doesn't mean that, I've, that, I, that I see a lot of them. Yeah. But, but I don't see blind loyalty from our men and women of the service. I'm trying to understand why they would feel any kind of loyalty to him when... He, he wields them as a weapon, but it's really only for his own ego. He treats them like dirt. That's how he operates. His ego is all that matters, and everyone else is a means to an end to, to enrich himself in some way, whether it's his ego or his wealth. And he has said nothing but disparaging remarks about the military. Remember, remember with McCain, I like yeah. people that weren't captured. I, I, like people, all the, I like people that weren't shot down. Disgusting. Uh, I know more about ISIS than the generals. All those really arrogant, dismissive, just such. I think he would struggle to spell ISIS. He would. He, he would. And it's just baffling to me that there are military. I'm sure there are some. I, I, oh, I, no, I, no, I've seen the hats. Yeah. Veterans for Trump. And I want to know why. I want to know I, what I he's done that makes you, other than. The, the, the catchphrases and the image that he's selling you, that you're buying, what, what are you seeing from him? What results or initiatives that make you think he doesn't hate you? Or... Well, probably this. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. I have the best... But there's no better word than stupid. Yeah, and you we know talked what? about that last week. Comfort words. And a lot of these veterans... Um, and if there were veterans sitting in this room, veterans of the Vietnam War, veterans of uh, the Iraq War, Afghanistan, whatever, I would, I would, I would say that. You really like comfort words. 
Yeah, that that or the entire country has Stockholm syndrome. Oh, he's, he's not that bad, you know. He's, he didn't mean it like that. God, come on, man. Like, I, why are you this guy? Grab him in the pussy obviously meant um, pat him on the rear end. Oh, also, still wrong. Um, to uh, to touch him on their lower back and a squ- no, that's wrong now too. I know. And so, when you have to interpret whether it's a lie or a joke every single time, and then give your spin on it whenever the guy makes a statement, maybe it's the guy's just full I of mean, shit. Myself, for example. I mean, I'm I'm fluent in sarcasm. That is something I'm really good at. People who know me can definitely understand sure. when I'm using sarcasm, which is sad to say most of the time. But also this week, the new. Um, Bob Woodward book came out. Yes. Rage. And I can't wait to get my hands on this book. I really can't. Um, I, I feel like I already know what's in it, but I still want to read it and see, find out the order of words he put them in. This is the Bob Woodward that helped take down Nixon, correct? Yes. Yes. That's for our listeners. That was actually <laughs> factual information that proved a president did something wrong and led to his resigning. Uh, you know, back in days when presidents were held by the uh, rule of law, held accountable Remember by those? the rule of law. Accountability from leadership, examples, miss those things. The cool part about uh, Woodward's book is it is based on audio recordings. He has the audio recordings, and I got a chance to hear some of them. It's still going to not surprise me when somehow the GOP and their crime syndicate will find a way to still... Nope, he Fake. Yeah, he didn't say this. Yeah, it's a deep fake. It's a deep state fake. Yeah. That's all they'll say. I mean, he, he literally said, um, yes, I, I knew the virus is terrible, but I'm, uh, I, I, I'm playing it down. I'm playing it down on purpose. Just don't want to cause a panic. He said it. And then he came right out on the TV the, the same day that night and said, oh, there's 11 cases, probably 12. By tomorrow, it'll be three. And by April, it'll be a miracle. It'll go away. Well, your father-in-law went away. My friend Raymar went away. Almost 200,000 of us. And yeah, it's real. And I don't care if your father-in-law was old, because he wasn't. You know? He was younger than me. I don't consider myself old. My friend Ray wasn't old. Uh, To a lot of people, 65 is old. This guy was... He was a young 65. Yeah, he had a a 30-year-old mentality, for God's sake. And we use those two examples. I I could use other people's names that I really haven't been given permission to do, but... I still sit, I shake my head, and I'm scared, though. I'm scared about Biden. And here's why I'm scared. He's got to grow a pair, and he's got to grow a pair pretty quick. I think you could say the same about the entire Democratic Party. Yeah, because they have, they have decided we're going to abandon winning over being better people. That's what it seems like for the last many years. But yes. how, how about this? Win first. Then when you get in there, be the, be the better people that you want to be. Be better than Trump. But but you're going to have to take the gloves off. You're going to have to name call. You're going to have to slam him. You're going to have to give him a nickname. You're going to have to, and you're going to have to lower yourself to that level. Yeah, if you want to speak to that base. And don't bring a cat to a dog fight. Yeah. Don't bring a knife to a gun fight. No, I agree. I think that that's the biggest criticism of the left is that they are playing by the rules. They go low or they go high when, when the GOP goes low. And that doesn't work when they're not arguing in good faith, which which the GOP is not. They're just ignoring the the rules of the arguments, basically. When Biden when Biden was uh, refuting what Trump about calling Trump suckers and losers, calling our military suckers and Mm -hmm. losers, when he went on there and defended his son Bo, who 
volunteered and enlisted in the military in, a, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. That's when I really thought, okay, now keep that going. Yes, that those topics. At, the, at the debate, if you have to hear a question by some you know, lame moderator about the economy or the state of Israel or global, to say, before I answer that, I want to address something with my opponent. Don't you dare yeah. talk about my son and servicemen and women the way you have. Yeah. So let's get that out. If nobody asks any questions about that, I want that out tonight. Don't you dare. You avoided military service. None of your children have or ever will. And your father moved here to avoid military service. Thank you. So, yeah, that's that's all. I wish more people would point out those hypocrisies and hammer them home. You know, if you have to rely on the Lincoln Project, who is a Republican, to, to take down Trump, that's, that's pathetic. I, I hate to break it to people, but one thing the GOP is good at is getting a talking point, making sure everybody knows it. They're great at it. They really are. It's, yeah. if, if this is a game, they know how to play it. Yeah. And when you play games, you typically play to win. The Democrats are looking for that participation trophy. What I'm hoping is that this is all a sort of lulling that administration to a little bit of a false sense of that they are controlling this and that they are going to be able to steal the election, but that they have a complete plan in place to to prevent that. That's all I can hope for, because well, they certainly wouldn't tell us if they did. Though I'm hoping for a blue wave, though I'm hoping that the... Democrats can take over the Senate as they have the House, and maybe we get a Democratic president there, because typically when there is a all-Republican Congress and Senate and, and executive branch, or all-Democrat, that's when things actually get done. Now, it may not be things that we want to get done, but holy crap, things are, things are moving. But I, I want a job where I work about seven months out of the year. I can go in at any time and give myself a raise if I choose to. I can give myself free pension for the rest of my life, even though I only work for the company for four years. Great health care. I can get free medical care, basically free at that point. Mm-hmm. When the government shuts down and no checks are written, mine still are. And I can, just like I said, work a total of seven months out of the year, have four months vacation. Where, where, where can I find a job like that, Paul? Post office, maybe? <laughs> is Dollar Tree hiring? You know, Pizza Hut is hiring for delivery right now. Or Congress. Yeah. It's incredible how over the years more and more laws have just snuck their way in there to make Congress not uh, a government, not a position of service anymore, but it's a position of privilege and royalty. And that's what it's become. It's been such a slow burn, and they were so good at hiding it as they were rewriting things that now it's too late. There's that. That's what it feels like. Anyway, people see it, but are we going to? One, one of the things that uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg came up with, um, he actually had several actual um, ideologic platforms that I agreed with. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't we build three Ellis Island type facilities along our southern border? One in Texas, one near the border of Arizona and New Mexico, and one in California. Give immigrants a place to go to where they can be housed, vetted, medically checked, and given a plan to make citizenship. Mm-hmm. Everybody always thinks that if you're for immigration, you're for illegal immigration. You are not, and neither am I. Yeah, that's the distinction. We That's very important. If you're going to immigrate to this country, emigrate to this country and become an... You, there, there are 
very specific rules. Uh, I've heard you even lay some out that you think, you know, I think they need to learn English and certain guidelines. Like if you are serious about coming to this country, show us by it, by, you know, pulling off this list of things and no, make I, it not easy. Everybody says, oh my God, Rob, you're just a bleeding heart. No. No, I'm not. I don't think the, the make them work citizenship for it. examination for the United States should be in any other language but English. Yeah. It should be basic. You should be able to basically read our language and understand it and comprehend it and basically be able to speak it. I, I know of people that have come from foreign countries who speak better English than we do. I do too. Proper English. I, I never heard my neighbor, who was a first-generation German, ever use the word ain't or not put a G at the end of a word like nothing. He never said nothing. Yeah. He spoke better English than my parents did, for that matter. But... So many countries around the world have a path to citizenship. We just have a wall to citizenship. Yeah. And my brother and I were in uh, Mexico one time, walking in uh, Playa del Carmen down a, a street, kept going into shops, and my brother actually said to me, holy crap, can't you find anybody who speaks English around here? And I, I, I went out in the street and I pointed at him and I said, learn the damn language, immigrant. I said, we're in Mexico. It's not their job to know English. That's sort of... That sort of uh, entitlement. When when those are the it's funny because those are the people that talk about all the, all these entitlement. All the, they're just taking our jobs and taking our money. They're the same ones that think yeah, everyone should just learn English. Everyone should I should get handouts, but you shouldn't. It's it's such a strange. Uh, I love it when they say illegal immigrants get um, Medicare and illegal immigrants get no, they don't. Who? I, I mean, if they're just going to make things up, then how we, can you argue with We have a friend that? named Ira whose wife is from the Philippines. Yeah. She can't, she is ineligible for those programs. But for some reason, the GOP just think they can just walk up and go, uh, hola, como estas, uh, free money? Yeah. Well, I think it's part of their scare tactics. Just look at all these illegal immigrants. They're flooding this country. So they turn it into a talking point and uh, a weapon, basically, when it's not... They just, it's their spin on it has become one of the ways that they scare people. Just just another way they scare people. So, yeah, so far in 2020, we have, uh, we have certainly talked politics in segment number one. Uh, we appreciate everyone uh, being nice enough to listen. Hopefully, uh, we've raised an eyebrow or two when it comes to segment number one political talk. But that's not the only stuff we do. We do all kinds of other fun stuff. And we'll be back with segment number two. More fun stuff right after this uh, brief commercial segment Segment. that's what we're looking for that sounds good at Cuppy Cakes we want your special moments to include beautifully crafted and incredibly delicious cakes. Our cakes are made with the freshest ingredients and custom to your specifications. From weddings, baby showers, to sweet 16 parties, we can make a cake that will be as memorable as your special event. Check us out at OurCubbyCakes.com. That's O-U-R-C-U-P-P-Y-C-A-K-E-S.com and place your order today. Do you like game shows? Have you ever wanted to be on one? Well, guess what? You don't have to go to California to be on your own game show. Game Show Party, located right here in the Tampa Bay area, will bring all of your favorite game shows to you. 
your group, your organization, your company party, or just a group of friends. All of your favorites like Family Feud, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Pyramid, Match Game, and the Really Wet Game. For more information, visit the website at gameshowparty.com or call directly 727-531-8880. Again, that number is 727-531-8880. Visit the website at gameshowparty.com where you are the contestant. Episode number 30, the end of season number one. Wow. Hard to believe, isn't it? It is hard to believe. I didn't even know podcasts do seasons, but we're trailblazers. We're doing seasons. I hate to break it to you, Paul. We're not trailblazers. A lot of uh, podcasts do seasons. So where you been? I've been... Obviously not studying up on the history of podcasts. History of podcasting. As we know it. And uh, we have, uh, I'm I'm very proud to say, we have had... uh, Last week, we had uh, an average group of listeners, but we have eclipsed over 200 plays of, uh, of last week's podcast. Wow. And the first week, it was five. Some progress. Yeah, some five progress. Five is less than 200. 200 is more than five. I do know that much. <laughs> I don't know a lot about math. So but it you, went the, the right way. Do, do, you, do you know a lot about words? Words are great. Bigly. I know bigly math. Um, segment number two has always been kind of our potpourri uh, segment where if we have guests or we've also done uh, stuff with ourselves where we read uh, funny news stories uh, last week we had the one about um, Vermin Supreme Vermin Supreme who was running for uh, who was running for Senate I believe and, uh, and we've also done um, bits on uh, Shag Mary Kill where we were given three absolutely beautiful women and we had to shag one, marry one, and kill one. And the, and the rough part about it is we killed off some beautiful women. It's sort of a conundrum on purpose, I feel like. They give you three people who are perfectly fine in, in, in some yeah. way, but one Mark, of them's got to die. Mark, our guest last week, killed Stevie Nicks. He, he, had a lot of, uh, he had a lot of guilt about that. He kept coming back to it like, I can't believe. I killed Stevie Nicks. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. When Blondie was, uh, he, I think he ended up sleeping with Blondie and marrying Linda. Might Rice. have been what it was. I think. Yeah, yeah I think he tagged uh, Debbie Harry. I mean, you you gave me the three Jessicas one time: Jessica Simpson, Jessica Beale, and Jessica Alba. And you knew I was going to marry Jessica Alba. Yes. Just for just. For but the, I would let. I wanted to let you for the regularity of, of sexual uh, 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 frequency. I would because uh, Jessica Alba, you see her now. She still looks like she could play a high school girl. She just she's very is, youthful. Is very very youthful. And she could be a sugar mama. She a, is she's quite the entrepreneur. Worth a lot, a lot of she, earning potential. She's a smart smart cookie, as they say. Yeah. So and, um, got a yeah. few bucks. Yeah, she could uh, she could put on a few pounds and, and let her roots show, and I wouldn't even care. <laughs> she's just absolutely. Then she'd be on TLC. What other stuff have we talked about in our, our second uh, We did. Year? We have done on occasion, maybe once or twice, the uh, Dead Man's Dinner Party. Yes, or, Dead Man's Dinner so Party. So we'll, we'll be doing that again for sure right now. That, that yes. was fun. Uh, Brent uh, was uh, was supposed to be our scheduled guest today. He did have a, uh, a surgical situation that came up. Nothing life-threatening. He wanted to make sure that he told 
me to pass on to you. So there's no, no need to go get him a card or send him flowers or whatever. Just kind of one of those uh, surgical procedures that that happens when you uh, when you get more than 35 years old. Yeah, those procedures um, definitely happen as you as you reach yeah. a certain point. I've had one of those things. Those uh, appendectomy procedures. Not surgery, just a procedure. You know what the procedure is called? uh, The sex chain procedure where you become a man? You know what that's called? An adedictomy? Ah. (laughs) I think that happened. The listeners are laughing right now, Paul. (laughs) Wherever they are in their car, at home, they're laughing. And please feel free to use that joke. It's called an adedictomy. I I like it. Which I I sent that joke in to Seth MacFarlane to let... uh, the doctor on, on Family Guy used that in a joke. Nothing. But but the but Quagmire's father who became a woman it's the opposite. Yeah. So she had hers surgically removed. Okay, so it doesn't work. But then eventually it was reattached to Quagmire when he lost his penis to a shark attack. That's when they could have used it. Yep, and that's exactly what they did. She showed up with a box. Here's a here's a present for you, Glenn. Yeah, Bob, what is it? Oh mom, it's your penis. <laughs> yeah. Just such a great show. <laughs> yes, that it is. We also talked about uh, movies that should be remade, and some movies that definitely shouldn't have been. There's remade. a there's a good portion of those. Most of them probably on the the shouldn't yes list. You were definitely uh, not a fan of uh, the uh, karate. Jaden Smith's karate. Karate Kid. Kid really bugged me, especially now. Now they even have like the the Cobra Kai show is back and sort of kind of giving a nods to the original but I haven't seen it yet but apparently it's, it's a good show it's where they're kind of now they're adults and the rivalry continues in a different way but uh, four very powerful words were uttered in that 1982 movie sweep the leg Johnny sweep the leg Johnny yep no one's no one will ever forget that that line <laughs> there's that look on his face like what <laughs> And what's really funny is watching a, an older man say the words wax on, wax off. To See, that would never be done today. That's, yeah, you know what? That People would, would go absolutely apeshit if an elderly man said to a young teenage boy, oh, wax off, wax, wax on. <laughs> I know, he really he sold it in such an innocent way with when he put on that, like, Sort of... Uh, Come off Macho, I'm losing it when he goes, oh, then your side wax off. Oh, you've been watching me. <laughs> I never thought of it. Next time I see the movie, I'm not going to unhear it. That's all I'm going to hear when he's uh, when he's cleaning up and learning karate. <laughs> we have, uh, we've talked about movies that we thought uh, possibly should be remade. And um, I heard that the Smokey and the Bandit movie is going to be remade. And I've heard that Seth MacFarlane and his crew have decided that they want to be the ones to do that. And I think as much as I would hate a normal remake of that movie, if it's done right with the right cast, Mm -hmm. I think it would be fantastic. I think it's possible. And I think Seth MacFarlane is sarcastic enough. Mm -hmm. And all he has to do is grow the Burt Reynolds mustache, which he could easily do. Um, The Sally Field character... It's got Mila Kunis written all over it. And then you've probably got to get uh, uh, Paul Giamatti to play uh, Sheriff Buford T. Justice and uh, Giamatti Rabisi as Junior because he's a huge Seth MacFarlane crew member. That would be... And, and then you, you got to get you got to get a Cletus, a truck driver, and then you can find one of those 
um, in, in, in the country music world, just like they did in the real one. Instead of Jerry Reed, uh, you know, get uh, Toby Keith. You know, yeah. What's he doing right now? That's Toby true. Leaning up against a fence with a piece of straw in his mouth and a cowboy hat, getting his picture for his next album. Probably. Because we discussed album covers uh, also in one of our uh, Mount Rushmore segments. So country music album covers have a tendency to look very similar. That, that, is, that is true. Toby, what are you up to right now? You want to be in the remake? Absolutely. Another thing is, um, I've been uh, I've been banging this drum all year long about uh, cupcakes. When are cupcakes going to show up? I figured this, today was the end of the season. You that would, that you was the show plan. Up today with an end of the season cupcake buffet, but it didn't happen. I was planning to, and the reason I, I didn't say anything because if it didn't happen, I didn't want to be like, oh, I promised it, and then it didn't happen. Um, so it's like a soccer game. Yes. You thought something exciting was going to happen, and, and it didn't. No. Um, yeah, I was planning on bringing cupcakes here today, and uh, that also requires that my wife is in a place where she's able to do that, and um, yeah, it didn't happen, unfortunately. It will. It will, so, so when you least expect it, which so is... she's tied up in the bed from some activities from last night? <laughs> I won't let her out. Couldn't free up her hands yeah. to make cupcakes. Won't let her out of the room. That's it. You should keep that woman on lockdown, Paul. You really should, because I think if she gets out... That's right. Keep her in the kitchen with baking stuff. Might be the same thing that happened to you on the 21st birthday. Remind our listeners what happened to you on your 21st birthday. That's right. It was, uh, I got dumped the day before by my, and this was like my first love, you know, that the one where I had uh, like a high school girlfriend, but it wasn't. We don't use the word love with our girlfriends. Yeah. Until you really get to one. But we were just kind of like, you know. But this was like, you know, I thought, oh, she's the one like that. So that was tumultuous, obviously, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But losing, you know, losing that the day before my birth. So my friends took me out. I think we went to Bennigan's. I I think it was Bennigan's when that was still around. I think there's a couple left in the world. And uh, I just remember kind of sitting there in a daze at the head of the table thinking, this is fun. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember much about Drowning it. Drowning your sorrow. And, and you know what? That was it. I, I could drink and I, I don't even know. I may have had a beer, but that's like the last thing I would want to do if I'm not happy is drink. And to refresh our listeners' memories, I spent my 21st birthday night in a hotel room with nine aspiring nurses in various states of uh, undress and night clothing because for some reason, I don't know how it happened, I don't know who let the cat out of the bag. It was a complete fabrication that I was somehow involved in or responsible for the grading of their nursing exams. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. I don't know how they came to think that. Hey, we had very opposite 21st yes. birthday experiences. Yes, we, most, uh, we, we most certainly did. Yours was the epitome of loserdom, and mine was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, fond memories, Paul. Yeah, but that's good. The contrasts are what make things interesting. If we both had the same story, it'd be like, oh, that's pathetic. Yeah. But now they can look at, well, somebody had a good time. Bill Cosby was with me when he said, so do you got nine quaaludes? Make sure you my pudding pop. So, uh, yeah, there, there, was some, there was some very interesting, um, fun, fun uh, things that happened around my uh, around my twenty first. Um, I also got married when I was twenty one. Really, for the first time. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a mistake that I probably I'm glad I didn't make. But yes. uh, 
See, you did it the way Don Rickles did. Don Rickles did not get married until he was 38 years old. Really? That, yeah. That's how I was. I think I was 40 by the time the marriage happened, but I, I was 38 when I proposed. And he and his wife, Barbara, stayed together the entire time. He knew. He just had to wait. 2017. I mean, I'm sure he was busy, you know, writing jokes, traveling the world and stuff, but he just had to wait. He just knew it wasn't right, I guess. It's smart. Yeah. Wait it out. Do it right. Uh, you know, we, it was when I'm not getting married. And well, like I said, my, my first one was uh, affectionately known as the debut. The debut. Uh, uh, Twenty one. I can't blame you. you know, my my, my no. second wife was the uh, the sequel. My third wife was the trilogy. But my fourth wife. <laughs> That's the franchise That's right the there. Franchise. We just the other day celebrated 14 years of marriage. So the franchise is still going yeah. strong. And being married to me, that's the equivalent of 45 years with a normal person. Yeah, I do wonder a lot how my wife puts up with me. I, I'm sure that's the case with a lot of spouses that you know, Paul, have a you, marriage. You know what, Sully? You don't strike me as high maintenance, though. I, I, You're not I, a high I maintenance am. guy. Not in public. In pri- yeah. I'm, I'm emotional and, and kind of moody, and I, I'm high maintenance a little bit. Really? Yeah. You think you are? Uh, a little bit. Uh, to, only to the select few. That's why I try to only torture as few people as possible. Oh, I remember one time Paul was saying to me, he goes, I'm really lucky. I've got a great wife who just never complains. And I said, to you. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, married life will, will change that. You know, yeah, she's 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 puts up. We put up with each other. Uh, my my life is uh, is on a and I'm gonna try to say this delicately so I don't get in trouble from her like she listens. I couldn't. I, I know. Couldn't, I couldn't pay the woman to listen to one of our. our li- I know our wives love us, but I they do not listen. But I, I will tell you, this has nothing to do with a woman's um, cycle, monthly cycle, period, right. menstruation, whatever word you want to put in there. Sure. It's politically correct. Got it. What I'm about to say has nothing to do with that. But it has a lot to do with the book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, because mm-hmm. it talks about in there, the wave. Interesting. And, and I, so I read about it, and it said, the wave. The wave of emotions with women. A yeah. wave will continue to build and build. For those of you that don't see visual, I'm, I'm doing my hands. The like hands rising wave. like on a graph. And, yeah. And, and then the wave gets up to a certain point, and then what happens? Gravity... Pulls it down and the wave crests and hits the ground. That's my wife's emotional cycle. Mm-hmm. It it's averages about every three weeks, and again, is not uh, has nothing to do with the menstrual cycle. It's just a. I just discovered that about three weeks worth of my little fucking mistakes <laughs> add up and build that wave a little bit higher until eventually a straw touches the camel's back and the, and the wave just crashes. And I. I wish I had the clip because I've been looking for it online. I'm probably going to have to download the episode and make the clip myself. But there's a, an episode of South Park where Cartman is so mad and he's bawling both his fists together. Mm-hmm. And he says, you guys are really pissing me off right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I pushed my wife so bad one day. She literally did that in the kitchen. And I mean, dropped the fork in the sink. It made a clanking noise. And she went, you are really pissing me off. I'm sure she'd love to be compared to Cartman. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that will Good thing she doesn't listen. That's the difference between a fit and a conniption. When yeah. I start describing her as Cartman. But, yeah. but even my daughters who have been living with us uh, due to COVID, I, I love them both. I just bought a house to get rid of them. That's how much that's you how love much them. I love them. Um, they've even seen it. And they laugh about it with me. It's like our own little inside joke. They go, oh my God, you really pissed mom off today because she went full-blown Cartman. To turn her into a cartoon character for a moment. Yeah. That's 
That's a difficult. Well, speaking of um, high maintenance, how would you characterize uh, your lovely wife? Is she high maintenance or low maintenance? No, no, she's. That's that's why. I, she's, I'm still married just because she's low mate. She's great. She takes care. Uh, she's a caretaker, so she's always the one that will try to help the the family and, and her close family and do things for them, and that keeps her busy. And I try my best to try to take care of her. But uh, I mean, she, she, she's just like my wife. They're they're both beautiful women. Yeah. So we we would we would even put up with them if they were high maintenance because they're just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But that's that's the difference. That's why I wanted to marry her because she she's both. Um, don't get me wrong. We have our moments, but that's marriage. You know, you live with someone, things are going to come to a head. You're going to have your arguments. But she, so, what do you have on this woman that would cause her to actually marry you? I'm curious. What what kind of um, could you ruin her financially? Could I, you ruin her on the internet? No, I just I'm older. I'm an, I'm I'm an old enough to to be able to I guess fool her into thinking that that I am a really good catch and I'm just going to go with that. Like I have enough experience to know what to say to, to be like, all right, how do I get this girl to just stay with me forever? Cause I just, I just remember the first, the first day I met her and you guys showed up at the house, I opened the door and you were standing there and she was standing behind you. And I just looked over at you and said, excuse me, man, did your car break down? <laughs> you need to use our phone? Because I, <laughs> I, 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 and I, and as soon as you walked in, I looked at you and mouthed the words, wow. And you know, oh my gosh, she's just beautiful. And, uh, and, and, the, and the, the few times that I spent time with her, she seems to be equally as sweet as she Very, is. very sweet. You know, maybe, maybe when she gets to know you a little bit, that side will, uh, you know, she's not as afraid to, to speak her mind. But Good. I Good. want, that's what I, I want I anyway. Absolutely. I absolutely respect that. Me too. Um, we've, we've, we talked a lot when, uh, when the notorious BRE was here, we were talking about, some of the differences between men and women, the stuff that make us laugh, mm-hmm. I think. Like when a woman says, uh, nothing's wrong, mm-hmm. that's when you hit the thermonuclear button and the siren starts yeah. going off, something's wrong. We should have her on next season to sort of help maybe clarify some of this and get her perspective on it because yeah. it, would, it might help us. Yeah. But yeah, nothing's wrong. Yeah, sure. Nothing, nothing's wrong. How do I look at these jeans? That can often start a nothing's wrong kind of episode. Fine. Is never a good yeah, word. But I, I like I like this. Um, sometimes I'll do something completely stupid and wrong and irritate my wife, and I won't find out about it until two weeks later, and she'll start a fight, and then she'll go, "You remember two weeks ago, Tuesday night at seven fifteen, when you said this? What? Yeah. You were the same woman that walked to the kitchen five minutes ago and asked me what you were doing in there." But you can remember exactly when I screwed up two weeks ago on a Tuesday at 7.15. Now you know what she was really mad about the whole yeah, time. Yeah, because I said that wave was cresting. Mm-hmm. That wave was cresting. And uh, so, yeah. As you look around the studio, if you look behind you, there's a cot. Comes in handy every once yeah. in a while. Is there are times I'll just stay here in the studio. Yeah. I'll just stay right here. I'm comfortable. got everything I need. You know, Just let things cool off for a day. Exactly. I'll get back at it tomorrow. It passes. <laughs> we've uh, we've chatted about uh, in segment number two about millennials and the uh, the current young generation. I was hosting an event just last night, uh, doing my normal thing, karaoke, and uh, when people come up there and sing, and they're terrible, which the vast majority of people in karaoke are are not very good. I think most people who've seen karaoke would probably agree with that. Truthfully, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they so are. I was joking with people all night long. Uh, so one guy came up and sang a song, and him and his buddies were laughing at him the entire time. And as soon as he was done, I said, well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, i got to tell you the truth. And when he came up here, he whispered in my ear. He says, man, 
I want to do this song really bad. And guess what? He did. And the crowd's laughing. It was a birthday in the room, stuff like that. And there was a, a young lady who was celebrating her 21st birthday named Kayla. And everybody, and they were cheering for every singer, good or bad. Yeah, they, they nice will. Audience. They appreciate people. Oh, and as they were leaving, the, the Kayla girl wanted to come up and give me a hug and thank me for, because uh, I bought her one of those big drinks and stuff and, and so on. And her friends were air high-fiving me and pointing, man, hey, we had a good time, man. You're really funny. Yeah. And this one girl comes up to you, you're rude. And, and I smiled at her and I said, no, actually you are. I'm in the entertainment business. I was just up here trying to make people laugh. And you had nerve enough to come up and call me rude. That makes you rude. Because everybody else understood it was just meant to be lighthearted and laughter. But I said, I bet if you owned a bookstore, you'd have every section except the humor section. Have a good night. And it's weird because nobody really understands. And that's why uh, I say this to the great and glorious Don Rickles, who I would have invited to my uh, dead man's dinner, dinner party. party. Sure. I'm glad he's gone because the only places you would be able to see him are places with audiences with my age or older who understand it's just meant to be funny. Yeah. There's always, there's always one sourpuss in the crowd that's like, they are in general unhappy and they look for any reason to sort of take that out on and that maybe that was her reason that night. No, what, really. Whatever happened to Lisa Lampanelli? That's Lisa Lampanelli was a phenomenal stand-up comic, an insult comic, if you will. She was as, as close to Don Rickles as anybody I had seen. She was vicious. Well, Don Rickles was never really vicious, but Whatever happened to her? She couldn't, she can't make it in today's society. And so many comedians, I hate to say it, are falling by the wayside. Things are changing rapidly. They're struggling to get an audience. And I think COVID's going to hurt that even worse. How long is it going to take to, right. to come back where you're going to find a 3,500 seat stadium for Amy Schumer or something like yeah. that? I mean, the, and, and the internet has saturated the, the, the comedy market to the degree where it's so blurred. You know, you have stand-up, but you have people who are just influencers who just record videos that people think are funny or entertaining, and and, and you have uh, just all these different ways of getting humor across, and, and, just, and you just never, I don't know, stand-up, you don't, you don't see it the same way you did, and I miss that, I miss that watching a special that was like on an HBO, like a special, or going to see stand-up show where you're not the jokes aren't ruined already because people have you know bootlegged them and put them online and and you know so you get this little grainy video it's just there's a oversaturation now and i don't know how you stand out as a comic in in today's today's uh humor you know it's it's changes so rapidly i mean towards the end of don rickles career when he was on uh jimmy kimmel Mm -hmm. or was he Letterman had retired before that? Uh, Craig Ferguson, you'd find he would be doing his shtick, and Craig Ferguson and the band and everybody would be just cracking up, and the audience would start to end the boo, and he would stand up and go, "No booing, no booing. This is not a rally." And he was defending an established fifty-five-year career, being what he's been. It's crazy. He was every bit as funny then as he was fifty-five years yeah. earlier. The audience had changed. Yeah, that's and true. Like I said, you got people who have guts enough to go up in somebody's face and go, you're rude. That's rude within itself. Yeah. Had she pulled me aside 
and said, hey, I thought some of your jokes were a little mean tonight, I would have said, well, why did people continue to keep coming up and singing, continue to keep coming up and interacting with me? Right. I, they, they understood that I was just being playful and joking yeah. type of thing. Yeah, some people are choose to be sensitive about it and don't get it. And meanwhile, uh, I don't know how you could look around and see that people have a good time and not and not get that. And well, not... One of the people who were, who were singing last night was a 390-pound man. Okay. Wearing a red and blue FUBU number jersey. Hmm. He's a big guy. You couldn't have put him in vertical stripes and made him look any thinner. Yeah. And so when he got up there, this guy's been performing and singing at my show now for well over a month. We have a relationship. He gets up there behind the microphone, and I said, uh, I said, hey, hey, be careful, man. Don't, don't stand too much that by the microphone. Nobody can see you. He lost it. He thought that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. I think he understands that he's three hundred ninety-five pounds. I don't. I don't think he. No. I don't think he thinks he's fooling anybody. And, and you know, yet, yet this girl wanted to be offended for him. Right. Yes. And that's the thing. I. You see more of that sometimes. Somebody is taking offense on someone's behalf. It's like, well, bitch, it's not your place. Let right. Someone. If someone chooses to be offended, let them defend their position and why. And and I think we we talked a little bit about this in segment number one. Uh, almost all season, I would tell you that Black Lives Matter is the exemption to that. I think sometimes you can have white people, Hispanic people, anybody, any culture, can join the Black Lives Matter movement because they believe that they do. Yeah. Uh, so that, but I don't want them to become, because believe me, black people right now, they're offended by what's been going on to their race. They don't need people, white yeah. people, to explain. Yeah, it I would say them. beyond offended, yeah, offended, but, but scared. I, I would say once it's been explained, it's been clarified, sure. it's been seen, then they don't mind saying to someone, "Yes, if you'd like to help us with our cause, please join us in this march." Yeah. And um, we also talked about, you know, statistics and the fear tactics and so on in in segment one, where we talked about how seven percent of protests are violent, yet people say all protests are violent. Mm-hmm. Same type of thing. Might be seven percent of cops are bad, but all we hear about is how bad all the cops are. So those two things kind of balance each other out. If you want to say yeah. that blue lives matter, okay, well so do black lives. But once black lives matter, I've talked about this. Once black lives matter, then we can comfortably say all of them do. And and the fa- and the whole blue lives matter thing, police aren't the ones getting targeted and abused. Black people are. So Blue Lives Matter is such a bullshit counter-argument to me. It is not the same league. You're minimizing what they are going through. So don't sit here and tell me that Black Lives Matter, well, that's just saying that they're more important than us. No, you're not being targeted. A cop is not getting pulled over by a black guy and saying, Sir, officer, get out of the vehicle. What do you got hiding in there? Never. That's never happened. So don't tell me that it's the same because it's not. And I think we've uh, we've articulated that fairly well. Whether people agree or disagree with us, they can yeah. either choose to listen to the podcast or not. I'd love to debate them about and, that. And we have invited, uh, we're on the record again. I know that I have. I can't speak directly for Solio, but I've invited at least half a dozen of my, I will say the word, conservative or Republican friends. I'm not going to use the word right-wing nut job because I think that's name-calling something that they're... Yeah, that's a specific type they're of very person. Good at. Yeah, that, that's um, not all I can have these types of discussions with certain people, but not yeah. most of them. All right. 
that's going to close out the uh, highlights for segment uh, two for season one, episode 30. We'll be back, and we're going to still... Uh, segment three is going to be our Mount Rushmore of Let's black see. and white actors. Pre-1960? Pre-1960 is Come. what we agreed upon there. So we're going to talk about that as soon as we get back. See you in a minute. sure people hear it. At My Forever Story, you have an opportunity to record your life story in your own word and in your own voice. After you're gone, this story can be played and listened to by all of your family, those who knew you, and even some who never got a chance to meet you. In most cases, it's under $100. We come to you. We sit down with you. You answer the pre-selected questions that you chose, so there's no surprises. The entire process takes less than an hour. You can elaborate as much as you would like. Tell the stories from when you were little all the way up until now. Tell your loved ones your story while you still can. We know how much it means to your loved ones to hear your voice. At My Forever Story, we give you that opportunity. Call us directly at 352-606-0248 or visit the website at my4everstory.com. That's www.my4everstory.com The testimonials we've received are heart-wrenching. Again, My Forever Story. You tell the story, we make sure people hear it. It's conveniently stored on our national website as an MP3, so your friends and loved ones can listen to your story from their phone or a computer. My Forever Story. Hopefully, you'll take advantage of this opportunity. Call us today, 352-606-0248. I want to tell you all about my friends at Side Splitters Comedy Club, uh, my favorite place to go in the Tampa Bay area when I need a laugh. They have top quality talent come through all the time, national talent, local talent. Uh, there's always great shows available. So if you've never been to a live stand-up comedy show, I want you to go check one out. They're even better in person. Sidesplitterscomedy.com. You can grab your tickets online. You can even pick your seat. So Sidesplitterscomedy.com. Go check them out. Well, Paul, it's the final segment of the final show of season one, and uh, we did a little kind of reminiscing highlights of segments one, the political segment, segments two, which was kind of a potpourri of our Dead Man's Dinner Party and Shag Mary Kill, movies we want to see remade. But it's now time to get back to something that our listeners, all ten of them, uh, really enjoy, and that's the Mount Rushmore for this week. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Every week we try to pick uh, a Mount Rushmore uh, for of any particular category that we think maybe represent, whether it is uh, actors, musicians, best best represent that particular topic. Um, Last week we did album covers. Album covers. That's right, last week. This week we've got 
pre-1960s black and white movie stars, I believe. Is actors. Just actors. actors just actresses. actresses. We'll do actresses some of them. Separately. Because yeah, we could do probably a dozen of each. So we'll just keep it to the male actors in this case. Easily. Um, yes. Yeah. This, this week we, we were going to do um, our favorite Bible stories because we was with having Brett with us being mm. a theologian. And we were hoping that he would bring a, a nice lighter side to some of those uh, wonderful Bible stories that we all grew up uh, wondering about going really we'll have <laughs> every to, animal in the world uh, on a boat yeah we'll, we'll have uh, brent on a uh, season two will will enlighten us I yeah think, so, a so the, the great and forgiving god killed every male born child in egypt yeah so you know so we're gonna let brent handle that things don't jive i figured he'd be perfect for that but this week we're talking about uh uh actors predominantly black and white movies pre-1960 uh do you want to go first or do you want me to go first um i can throw out maybe maybe one of the obvious ones for, right. for, I would assume he's on your list as well, uh, Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart, yep, on my list. Have Absolutely. to put him out there. Humphrey uh, just learned his last name, DeForest. This is his middle name. I'm sorry, not last name. Humphrey DeForest Bogart. That's a cool name. That is a really cool name, and I just learned it. That's going to be worth like 71 points at Scrabble or something. It probably bad. is. There's a, you know, a capital and a lowercase letter in there. Well, Bogey was uh, Bogey was a classic. Everybody, of course, Casablanca, the one that, that made him the most famous. Sure. Um, and you know, actually, you know, in the movie Casablanca, he never says "play it again, Sam." That is probably the most misquote. He just says "play it, Sam," I believe, you know, right? Play it, play the song, play our song. And played, and yet played again, Sam has become the quoted. How does that happen? Uh, well, um, is that like telephone? Like, it, if you think about Cary Grant, I don't know if he's on your list. He he was kind of an honorable he, mention on mine. Uh, yeah, kind um, of. If if somebody's doing an imitation of Cary Grant, they go Judy, Judy, Judy. He never said that in any of his movies. That's he never lot. he never said that phrase. So but, imagine these quotes from movies that are less than a, a hundred years old getting misquoted, and these are classic movies. Imagine the Bible. <laughs> Like, like we're talking about one of the most popular movies of all time, and people still don't quote the line properly. So, there's my argument for why you can't trust anything. The Bible may have some editing, some, some, some. A couple things might have gotten lost in translation. Maybe, maybe one or two things. I'm, I'm sure Brent can help clarify, but we'll, we'll have him on soon enough. Yeah, Bogey, uh, Bogey had uh, a decent career. He did a couple westerns. Uh, several military movies as well. Um, and I believe he was also in the Maltese Falcon. Am I correct about I think that? so. I think so. I can, I can verify while we're talking. Maltese Falcon. But yeah, Bogey for sure. Um, and I mean, Lauren Bacall. <sighs> so what a woman. When we do our, uh, our, yeah. our, our ladies of the black and white era. My, my grandfather, who was a, a Pentecostal minister, didn't make a lot of comments about women because... It just wasn't their thing. But yeah. he, he he always referred to her as a handsome woman. That would be about as that's about as nasty as a Pentecostal is going to get. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. she is quite the handsome woman. Quite the handsome woman. I'd love to have a cup of coffee with her. Yeah, my uh, my my grandmother. What was funny about my relationship with uh, with my grandparents? My my grandfather, uh, my mother's mother, passed away when she was eight and a half years old. Okay. So my grandfather had five kids in the depression wow 
and it was you know obviously a tough time for everybody. But to be a single dad, farming and, and setting up churches because oh. Pentecostal ministers traveled all around and set up sure. churches. And the, this is literally the story. They arrived somewhere in southern Indiana, might have been Valparaiso, if I remember correctly, somewhere near Terre Haute. Uh, and a parishioner of my grandfather's church introduced himself and said, Pastor, I understand that you're a widow, widower. And he says, Yes, yes, I am. I uh, lost my wife uh, many years ago. He goes, well, i got a daughter. She's 19, and she's barren. She can't have children. And uh, she, ain't, she ain't much to look at. She's a good cook. And she'd, be, she'd make you a good wife. And three weeks later, my grandfather married this woman. He was 49, and she was 19. Wow. My mother was three years older than her stepmother. Um, however, if I were to show you a picture, and I will get a picture before we come back okay. for season two, I'm going to show you a picture of my, my grandfather and my grandmother, and you're going to go, there's 30 years difference between the two of them, because my grandfather looked like Andy Griffith from the Andy Griffith show. Okay. Coal black hair, very similar in appearance, and she had graying hair in a beehive, just like the Bride of Frankenstein. And she wore the Pentecostal skirts to the floor and long sleeves. She adapted to be a Pentecostal minister's wife. Wow. If you ever to see the picture, I said, what's the age difference between you? You'd seen her more than five, seven years. That's insane. I mean, 19, that's a baby. You know, when I see, the older I get, obviously, the younger people look. But when I see a 19-year-old, male or female, like, oh, they're a baby. They're not even grown yet. I can't imagine looking and saying... So, so you guys meet it like, you know, in grade school, like you're a few grades apart or something. And the, the weird part about it is it was just like it, it wasn't frowned on. It wasn't looked at anything other than she'll make a good wife for you. She right. can't have kids anyway. You already got plenty of your kids that are growing up. She's a hard worker. Interesting. And she ain't much to look at, but she's a hard worker. It's such a strange, like you would never hear that. Put it this way. If I told you I was going to fix you up with a woman named Mildred... Yeah, I'd, I'd probably want to get a look at Mildred because when I hear the name, I sort of have a, maybe a it's a bias, but I, I do have a stereotype well, in my head. that was my grandmother's name. That was a Mildred. Mildred. Yep. Oh, so, there you go. so she Mildred. was part of the stereotype. Mildred, yes. All right, getting back, can I go next? Yeah, please go. Please, yeah, please. We, we've, we've I had the easy one. We've covered out the hammer and the chisel we, when we, we chopped out uh, Humphrey So Garner. Humphrey's up there. Yeah. Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Yeah. yeah. Now, he wasn't the, the, the all-in-color Gone with the Wind, but that was an apparition. It's okay. Yeah, and, and you know, he, you can't he count, started you before. You can't count Wizard of Oz as really a black and white or color movie because it switched when she arrived in Oz. Um, but yeah, uh, without a doubt, Clark Gable. Yeah. Uh, also, westerns, war movies, spy movies, uh, but Gone with the Wind kind of kind of put him on. Um, he was in a movie with, uh, uh, I think it was Jason Robards and uh, Don Rickles' first movie he was ever in, a serious role, um, a submarine movie. Interesting. And Humphrey Bogart was the captain. Rickles would do a great imitation of, of, of Humphrey Bogart, talk kind of like this. And, and he had that, uh, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn attitude pretty much through his entire career. Yeah, that, that, that's what carried him. That was sort of his deal. That was like, oh, typecast. That's his, that's his voice. Yeah. Talk about some ears, though. Wow. He looked like a cab going down the street with both doors open. It's funny to think. Like, I wonder if it were today, would he have gotten 
the same type of of accolades or would he would he be cast as a leading man even i don't know that he would yeah it's crazy today it's interesting to think there was there was a shift in movies towards the late 60s where pretty much the robert redfords and the paul newmans and and those guys got the leading man roles Mm -hmm. um then towards the late 70s 80s guys like dustin hoffman who again he looks like a little bridge troll yeah yeah he was getting leading man roles and and then you look at, at some of the guys nowadays, and you wonder how they get roles. Uh, Owen Wilson, wow, dude, with as much money, Mister Wow, wow, with as much money as you make, you know they, they do have plastic surgeons in Hollywood. Get that nose fixed, um, but that I just broke your nose kind of look seems to be working for him. Maybe that's what it is. Is he has such a like a unique look. It's almost like that makes him stand out. I remember when uh, Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing, she got that nose job. I don't think she got work after that because there, it was cute. She had like this cute little I nose. Had, and I mean, dude, I had, a, she screwed it I up. had a wicked crush on her from the moment she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And it worked. Her, She looked just fine the way she was. I think it, she lost some uniqueness when she got a nose job. She was getting a little older, but it, 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 she just looked different. So suddenly it's not Jennifer Grey anymore. That's a female example, but just grow old. I'm sure you saw the movie Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Jennifer Grey was supposed to be the love interest in that movie. Really? Yeah. Tested for it, but didn't like it. They went with the uh, the other girl. Interesting. Who only had, she was only in a couple movies, I think. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who it was in there. I do remember seeing the theater, but. She she played Lou. Her name was Lou in the movie. See, I'm looking for an ambulance driver named Lou. I'm Lou. Doc Hollywood. There's a movie I haven't heard of in a while. Actually, I think I think one of the reasons why they chose her is she was the same height as Michael J. Fox. That's going to be tough Gray, to find. But Jennifer Grey, I think, was about an inch taller. Okay. So I don't think that would have worked. You'd think they would have given him lifts or something. I think Michael J. Fox is a little guy. He's a little so guy. it's probably tough to find someone who's not going to be at least eye level without without some help. All right. So getting back, yes, Clark Gable would definitely have to be on there. Um, he was a mega. Mega star. I mean, when his name was on a, a, a post bill for a movie, it was in huge letters. It was sometimes bigger than the title of the movie itself. Yeah. Which is something that I ended up finding out that one of the actors that's coming up on mine, it was a requirement. His agent required his name to be the largest on the playbill. Interesting. Larger than even the title. So if we get, if we get to this guy, you might be surprised to hear that. Okay. All right. All right, so we got uh, Bogey and Clark Gable. Who do you have next? I have. I'm torn between two for my third pick because, well, I'll just say it. I'm gonna go with Charlie Chaplin, black and white silent movie. Only guy I can think of that sort of. Well, Mr. Bean, I guess Rowan Atkinson, but uh, I, uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just figured I'd put him up there because. It's not like anyone else. It's sort of a, a different, different vibe than any of those other type of uh, actors that I'm thinking of. Like uh, Gary Cooper was the other one. I'm, I, I, I was. I can't debating. argue with you. He's on yeah. my list. Is he? He's on my list because yeah. he was actually one of the first millionaires in Hollywood. Really, one of the first millionaire actors in Hollywood. I didn't say the first. So those of you who want to go to the great and glorious Google to prove me wrong, okay, you can. Nora Desmond is some of the other big um, silent movie stars. Mm-hmm. Even um, Betty Davis was considered one of the first female uh, millionaires in Hollywood. But no, Chaplin 
owned silent movies. He could convey slapstick comedy better than anybody else. If it wasn't for him, there would never have been a Laurel and Hardy. There would have never been right. a Three Stooges. Yeah, it's it's such a unique, I guess, way of conveying an art. It's it's acting, but without the words. That's something else entirely. I don't even know what to call it. And that's why I was debating. I'm like, is this something else entirely? But, you know, film, black and white. We didn't specify silent or not. And he he was such a trailblazer in that way. Over 60 movies. It's crazy. 60 movies. Yeah. But they, but they would film them in days at that point. Right. Uh, did you see the movie Chaplin? Starring no. Robert Downey Jr.? No, I didn't. Another bit of homework for you. Watch yeah. that. Because uh, you realize that Charlie Chaplin was actually English. Right. Yeah, he was from England. And you'd never know because he, he didn't speak. He didn't speak. It just everyone would assume. I don't know if everybody gave him a voice in their head. I, I, I guess I never really did. I just, doo -doo -doo, just mustache and, and hat and the hat and the mustache and the cane and the cane were was was something where he wasn't getting the attention from a director, and he went into a prop house, found all three of those things, and came out as that character and just started interrupting a movie. And the, and the people filming it were just laughing hysterically, and that's when the director finally realized, wow, we've got something here. That's amazing. So that was the birth of Charlie Chaplin yeah, was. You, you, he was you, pissed you, off. you, you got to do something to, to be seen. Yeah. You know, he did something to be seen. Wow. So when you watch that movie, yeah. you'll see it. Charlie Chaplin was um, was quite the womanizer. I would well. imagine. Um, had uh, many famous. wives, <laughs> uh, many young wives. Um, but hey, so did my grandfather. Uh, no, right. I'm just teasing. I only had one. But uh, the rest were side pieces. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I had Charlie Chaplin. It's amazing. We have three right now that do, we, we do. Have. You had um, so okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I have. I had both Bogart, Hart Gable, Charlie. Chaplin. All right. This would be a first if we. I, I I still have to kind of decide, but maybe when you list your fourth and final. That we'll see if it's the one that I was thinking of. I have a couple in my head. Yeah, I've got one more. I've got one, I've got one more on my list and two two more honorable mentions. Okay. I really went back and forth with this next one because I, I kept saying to myself, was he more famous in black and white movies or was he also a crossover into color movies? So I'm going with Edward G. Robinson. Okay. The the gangster. He played the gangster. You know, oh you dirty rat, you killed my brother. Mm -hmm. And he would answer the phone. Hello. He always had that, that gangster sound to his voice. And a uh, small guy, little guy. Yeah. But uh, big punch. They always made sure he had fight scenes where the little guy would always end up beating up the bigger guy. Right. So, yeah, Ed Edward G. Robinson. And he is the one whose agent required his name to be the largest font on the playbill. Interesting. One of the first... Uh really good smart agents who knew how to sort of work that system now, to say that you could that you couldn't find a playbill with his name smaller great that would have been something that edward g robinson agreed to you know maybe they're gonna say okay we're gonna pay you five thousand dollars more so we can put the title of diver down you know bigger than yours so you take the money but yeah. most of the time if you find a playbill because his name is huge it's like edward g robinson and sophia loren interesting Paid, paid promotion like first like we want we want to make uh we want we want to be more visible so here's a little extra cash huh. right. the original days of advertising and like online advertising yeah and edward g robinson um could dance a little and so he was in some musicals didn't do a lot of singing a couple times they had uh him lip sync a couple songs. But Interesting. He could dance. Gangster who could dance. Yeah. So he kind could of dance. A tough guy with a 
Yeah. He didn't like being stereotyped as the gangster type of thing, but he played, I think he played in seven or eight movies where he was essentially almost He just kind of fit the look. And, the, yeah. and the, some people just have that look. And, and you can't say that doesn't work because Elvis did 31 movies where he's essentially the, 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 the cool young heartthrob who was either working at a carnival or a boxer or a race car driver. Yeah. It's like Tom Cruise where he played the cocky young kid. You know, right. The cocky young race car driver, the cocky young pilot, the cocky young pool shark, the cocky young this. Now he's just the cocky old spy agent guy who does his yeah. old stunts. Right now. <laughs> uh, any honorable mentions we should uh, touch uh, on? My honorable mention would probably go to maybe John Wayne, Spencer Tracy. John Wayne was kind of a crossover. Yeah. I think he did, it was like 50-50, 50% of his movies were in black and white, 50% were in color. Uh, a lot of westerns, a lot of military movies, start sounding familiar here. I mean, dude, if we were going to the movies in the 50s, it was either a, a romance, a love story, a musical, a war movie, or a western. Yeah, right. One of one of those. That was just, whatever's in, that's what you... And, and I would put uh, Spencer Tracy, a big name. I was leaning, I was thinking maybe Mickey Rooney. Yeah. But he didn't have as long a career as people remember. Yeah. When you're talking about wrestling. How long was The Rock in wrestling? About, about five, six years. I know. It, it seems it, like it was a long It was an incredible five or six year run where he was really, you know, like a, a star. But I think that was the logic for me leaving him off that Mount Rushmore, uh, which we, we did, a, I think, 80s wrestlers, I yeah. think was the topic that. Or 80s and 90s and today, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's tough to leave did him you, off. Did you have anybody else other than Gary Cooper? Honorable mention, uh, Gary Cooper, I, I had, you know, and again, sometimes it was tough because, like, as much as I, I love Paul Newman, he did so much in color that I couldn't really classify him in that. So I, I uh, maybe if James Cagney. If you make that argument, I'd fire you from the podcast. Yeah, J- James Cagney, maybe. Yeah. Cagney, he could, true. I think he could be up there. Um, who else am I? I think he's in the Mickey Rooney category. Maybe. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, he, there's had a, enough, he had enough name recognition. You just said it. You know, James Cagney. There he is. Yeah. Um, Olivier. Jimmy yeah. Stewart. Yeah. It's, it's just. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart's up there. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd easily be top 10. Yeah. So that would you be. You make an argument for Frank Sinatra. That's true. Did win an Oscar for Year to Eternity. Technically, yeah. I, I think most people would just think music first, but. He was in a lot of movies, so yeah. he wasn't actor. And, and you'd also you'd also look at Hope and Crosby, Ben Crosby and Bob Hope did yeah. a lot of Road to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. This more than I with more than we realized when we started this. Actually, this this could have its own. I, I thought I'd have uh, fewer choices, but there's there's only one actor alive today that is in just about every movie out there, and that's uh, uh, Bateman, Jason Bateman. Yeah, suddenly he's in everything. Dude, for 15 years, you never saw him in anything. And all of a sudden, I guess his agent has pictures that he can blackmail was, uh, directors with because dude, yeah. that guy's been in everything. It was crazy. He was in <coughs> Teen Wolf 2, I think, was, was when I first saw him. And then after that? And after that, nothing. Crickets. Then Arrested Development came out, right. and it was more of a hit after it was canceled because Fox dropped the ball promoting it and all that. But that sort of launched him, you know. Then dodgeball, he, he had that bit part, but you know, bold move, Cotton. Let's see, yeah, bold he, strategy, Cotton. He was on ESPN, the Ocho. Ocho. That sort of brought him. He was then appearing everywhere. Dude, he, was that, in, he was in. Uh, and now he's in that I, I new show. I can't even begin to list how many movies, but it's like he was in three or four movies a year. But back in the day, 
they did film three or four movies a year. So you'd see Cagney in three movies in one year, Bogart in three movies in one That's year. That's true. The production wasn't quite as elaborate, and they could just get get things done. And in some it. of the movies had you know elaborate budgets. Some of them were going to be one point four million dollars to, and now. Dude, it would cost us $1.4 million to do a video of this podcast for that matter. Right, just to get the amount of people and, yeah. and things. You'd have to brush your hair and everything, oh, and we can't have that. No wonder. Yeah, that's why we keep it just like this. Stream, like, streamlined. Yeah. Low cost. <laughs> my, <laughs> I like my hair messy in my pajamas. Uh, pajamas All right, on. so let, let's, let's carve our four. We got Bogart. Right. We got Gable. We've got uh, Chaplin. Chaplin. And then you want to go with uh, Edward G.? Or Edward G. or or, or Cagney, Ka- maybe James Cagney. Right, we'll carve. Well, they're Angels almost with the same character. Dirty faces. Yeah, they're almost the, the same. Gangster, character. The gangster, the gangster. We could yeah. carve half. Half of a Edward G. Cagney. Yeah, Edward G. Cagney. <laughs> there he is. All right. Well, um, Paul, I got to tell you, um, this this whole entire podcast, I have to give you really credit for the whole thing because we were sitting in the car one time driving to Lord knows where, and we just started just bantering back and forth i've always enjoyed uh talking with you um i think you bring sometimes uh a different perspective to and i've learned stuff from you this season i hope you've picked up a couple of things i would say yeah i would say the same we thing. both love music we both love trivia and uh we like to talk we're not afraid to uh, uh give our opinions out there and it's been uh been a great first season for me it, it really has been uh i didn't know what to expect either we just sort of wanted to do something. Where what, we, what did you say? What was the worst thing that was going to happen? We would have fun. We'd have fun know. for an hour a week. Yeah. Vanity project, an hour a week. If, if we gather listeners or if we get our legs or figure this shit out, even better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to say ditto because that's, that's, uh, that's pretty lame. But ditto. You know, I, yeah. I, def, I feel the same. I do. Well, I have uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. We're going to take about a month off. For us, it is... Uh, uh, around the first week of September so we hope to be back uh, at this again uh, maybe first week or so of October which gives us about 30 days before the election so I'm sure oh we'll boy. be talking a little bit of politics we will have a there. lot to start season two off with that's for Think sure about it and we'll still be we'll still be doing our Mount Rushmore's in our third segment I don't think we're ever going to get rid of that yeah um, I like I like it makes me make hard decisions <laughs> we will revisit the uh, dead man's dinner party and bring that one back we'll still do shag Mary kill from time to time we do uh, look forward to having more uh, guests in studio I definitely had a couple and it's been a yeah. lot of fun we're gonna expand a lot more it'll always way. be the line of side of dark Solio and Smith uh, for as long as we can uh, until we uh, you know we're in walkers and we need somebody young to uh, to keep it going but Paul, it's been a pleasure working with me. It definitely has. And we will see everybody back for Season 2, Episode 1. We may put a teaser, we may put a little short teaser out about Season 2 once we decide what our first couple episodes are going to be. So be sure to check us out where? LSD Podcast. If you have Facebook, go to at LSD Podcast or Lighter Side of Dark. You can look for Or you can just go to our website directly lightersideofdark.com just also, like it sounds go to Spotify and just search Lighter Side of Dark all yes. of our episodes will be on there start from the beginning start from the end work your way back we don't care because the money for us stays the same minimal <laughs> yes alright Lighter Side of Dark season one that's a wrap it's in the can uh, it's done footprints in the sand everybody wear your masks social distance please and we'll all get through this together we'll see, see you ya. soon take care
Lighter Side of Dark is produced at the My Forever Story Studios in Spring Hill, Florida, in association with RSP Entertainment and Events, and Solio Entertainment. Written and produced by Rob Smith and Paul Solio. Edited by Rob Smith. Original music provided by Elijah Seth Book, available on Instagram. All material used in the show is done for entertainment purposes only and not to be taken seriously. Available on Facebook at LSD Podcast. Lighter Side of Dark, copyright 2020.